Hi, I'm Joe Sheeran, and welcome to the Dealmaker series. This podcast highlights some of our most interesting deals by talking to the entrepreneurs and the dealmakers behind them. Today's featured deal is a sale of the Yearsley Group to US-based Lineage Logistics. I'm joined by Joff Baker, formerly the CEO of the Yearsley Group, but now the Executive Director of Lineage Logistics UK, as well as Jonathan Boyers, our UK Head of Corporate Finance. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi, Joe. For those of you who don't know the Yearsley Group, it's the UK's largest logistics service provider in the frozen food sector. It's a third-generation family business established in Rochdale in 1952 by the Yearsley family, selling fresh fruit and veg. Its first major coal store was built in 1979 by Peter Yearsley, Joff's father-in-law. In 1997, at the age of 31, Joff's brother-in-law and close friend Harry took over. Joff's wife Sarah is the eldest of the third generation of seven. Their three children were part of the fourth generation of 18 children. So lots of hungry mouths to feed. Joff officially joined the business in 1982, and his first job was handballing frozen lambs from New Zealand into cages for 10 pounds a day. He was just 16, and I'm told he felt like a millionaire. From there, he worked his way up via sales, the buying department, to become a director of the food business at 34, and took over as CEO in 2016. He's been married to his wife, Sarah, for 31 years. Wow. And has three children, a dentist and two accountants, so his teeth and finances are well taken care of. In his spare time, you can find him traveling the world, playing golf, or walking his dog. So Joff, we all know that family businesses are a key contributor to the UK economy, adding more than a third to the UK's GDP. Succession planning, I'm sure, can be quite interesting from a family business perspective. So tell us a bit more about what triggered the family's decision to sell. Well, I suppose the first thing to say, Joe, is that we weren't for sale. We, we had a direct approach from Lineage. Um, when I took over as CEO in 2016, we'd agreed to carry on for a five-year period um, with a strategic review in three years. Um, and in that period we intended to get you know get things ready for sale which also included setting up a supervisory board we'd started that process we did get a a non-executive chairman um, but then the the lineage approach actually superseded everything else so lots of family businesses um, have a, a whole load of difficulties when it comes to planning to sell businesses it can be really emotional and i think in in this case the the approach probably came 12 months before uh, people were sort of mentally ready and it just means that there's lots of different parties who've got lots of different viewpoints um, and and it's important that there's really good communication in these situations and i think very much so in this case the fact that the approach came um before everybody was ready was a, was re- highly relevant to the way the process was run Yes, because uh, what we did in the first instance was contact a lot of uh, financial advisors to assess the bid we'd been given and then look for, well, is it a good offer in the first instance? Uh, Should we consider other things like IPO or MBO or or other private equity, etc.? And also potentially staying as we were because that you know at the time we weren't for sale and potentially it could have 
been decided that we, we carried on and, th and that's what we employed KPMG to do. So so what, what we did when we first got involved, I suppose the, the family wanted us to look at all the options. And so we sat and thought about everything that was possible. In a, a business like that with lots of property, you know, that we could there could have been a property sale or even a sale of part of the property, ground rent schemes. Uh, we looked at uh, IPOs. We looked at partial exits. We looked at outright sales. Um, but none of them really looked that much better than the strategic logic behind the approach that had been made. And so, you know, even though a few a few other parties were were spoken to to create strategic logic, uh, sorry, to create competitive tension, um, the strategic logic behind the, the lineage approach was overwhelming. So you decide to sell, Joff, and yeah. obviously deals have lots of ups and downs as they go along. So what would you see as the biggest challenge that, that you had to overcome? Uh, well, I suppose there were two big challenges. The, the first one was definitely shareholder alignment. I mean, as you alluded to earlier, Joe, there were seven shareholders. Uh, some of them wanted to sell immediately. Some didn't want to sell at all. And some were probably halfway in between. So uh, that was a, a difficult task to get everybody on board uh, and all singing from the same hymn sheet. And I think the other major thing that we had to, to, to overcome was uh, we were actually preparing the business for sale whilst we were actually selling it, uh, which I think Jonathan will probably give a bit more flavour to. Yeah, I mean, the, normally you would spend, you could easily spend six months or even 12 months preparing a business like this for sale, getting all the financial metrics so that they work. I mean, the business was run based on its own management information, but it hadn't been prepared to withstand a, a rigorous due diligence process. And so we were, you know, everybody was having to work really, really hard to uh, to go through the preparation phase when the party that, that was interested in buying it was already waiting for it. And so there was a, there was a, a very intense period uh, um, of, of preparation for sale, which effectively six months work was squeezed into 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 one or or two wow sounds challenging to me it was it, no it, it was it was seamless <laughs> <laughs> of course it was of course it was in in hindsight it was seamless <laughs> is it I like is it like uh, the term it's like uh, the the pregnancy you know when you're you're giving birth it's probably a similar sort of pain you forget about it pretty quickly <laughs> so looking back Jeff. What do you think, you know, <laughs> the lessons learned looking back? <laughs> I think the first one would be patience. Um, we were approached by an overseas buyer, so that had its own challenges anyway. You know, there was time zone differences of five to eight hours, uh, which meant, you know, having meetings long into the night. There's also endless meetings with our advisors, shareholders, etc. So, um with a process like this, however quickly you think it's going to run, it, it always runs a bit longer. Um, so I think patience is definitely a virtue that you, you've got to um, quickly learn. Um, I think from a, another standpoint, preparation, obviously, in, in hindsight, again, is a, is a wonderful thing. But I think the better you're prepared, uh, the easier the process would be. Um, and the last one, which was very difficult from my perspective, was emotion. 
um, taking emotion out of it. Um, I'd worked for the business for 36 years and, and the rest of the senior management team uh, had worked there for a long, long time. And uh, when things uh, said, sometimes it's very difficult to take a, uh, an objective view on things. So I suppose that's uh, uh, one of the reasons why you, you have uh, advisors to, to guide you through that process. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things in this. The, the, the management team obviously were, were unsettled themselves and you know, they were going to end up potentially with a new, a new owner and it, it was important that they were properly incentivised for the deal to happen and, for, and that they, they were happy with how the buyer was going to incentivise them. And um, all the stakeholders needed to get comfortable with, with what the deal would mean for them. And, and all that, you know, a lot of communication needed to be done for a fairly disparate group of both stakeholders and, and management. Um, and then dealing with the buyer, obviously communicating to the buyer, um, the, the synergies that they had perceived were very real. And it was important that we got those across to, to the buyer. So they, you know, almost to help them pay the best price that, that they could. Um, and so, in you know, all, all in the in the heat of battle, that there was a lot a lot going on on this deal. Um, but but like I say, the 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 logic behind the deal was was so strong that um, that, that in in the end, it was all it felt that it was always going to come through. So just on reflection, Josh, I just want to do a few like quick fire questions for you. So, you know, everyone always asks the question, what was the first thing you bought? Uh, you're going to laugh at this one, but it was actually a, a new Callaway 3-wood with jailbreak technology. Uh, anybody who's a golfer, not a golfer, won't understand what I'm talking about there. But, I mean, in all honesty, I, I didn't finish. I think it might have been different if, if, if I'd have left the business at, at that time, but I, I've, I've carried on. So, um, because I've not retired, I've not really done anything wow um it's not me anyway to be fair so sorry to be so boring uh, but i guess the question is to the golf club did it improve your uh, golf handicap well it did for a little while but uh, it, as with everything else uh, the novelty soon wears off and it's back with the rest of them yeah <laughs> the jailbreak technology only went for so long i think i'm serving a life sentence now <laughs> not an advert, advert for galloway <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did you celebrate in the end when the deal was all done? Uh, well, we, we had two uh, horrendous days and nights. Uh, so the directors um, on the day of the deal, it was actually a Friday, which was quite a good day to do it, went out and got very drunk. I don't mind admitting that. Um, as a family, we didn't really celebrate. Um, I don't know why, but, but we didn't really push the boat out. And um, yeah. Uh, I had a hangover for about three days afterwards, so I definitely, definitely drank more than I should have done that night. Well celebrated. We, we had a we had a slight a slight pause in in the transaction about two weeks before completion because the finance director got married as well. So um, obviously yeah. everybody else found that very frustrating, but hopefully he's pleased about it. Well, he's still married. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. <laughs> And, and so, Jeff, what, what motivates you now? 
Uh, well, I suppose having worked in the business for so long uh, and only being at the helm for a relatively short space of time, I, I felt like I had unfinished business. Um, we'd started to put some things in place and uh, the new owners definitely promised to invest in the not only just bricks and mortar, but um, our systems, uh, technology, and, and also our employees, which was news to my ears. Um, and yeah, you've got to say they've, they delivered on that promise. And the, the, the other thing I'd say is I hadn't really thought about retiring. It never come into my head. So um, I wasn't ready and yeah, I, 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 I'm just going to carry on for the time being. I, th I think one of the things that I would probably uh, align what I'm doing now is um, a, a golf professional. W when you look at golf professionals at the top end of the game, and I'll give you a name that everybody knows, that's Tiger Woods. He's actually playing to win. Um, there's people that on the periphery of the tour that are basically playing golf to survive uh, and if they don't play well they don't get paid whereas Tiger Woods is just just all he's concentrating on in winning and I, and I see myself now in that sort of position because uh, I'm fortunate I'm in a fortunate position financially so uh, I, I'm making decisions now yes for the absolute benefit of the business but um, that the pressure has been taken off me somewhat which is good yeah so you're the Tiger Woods of logistics and Yes, yes. Yeah, something that's never been said before. <laughs> so, just look, you know, what advice do you have for people finding themselves in a similar situation? So, future sellers of their businesses. What yeah, well, bearing in, bearing in mind it happened quite a while ago now. We're already two years into to, to the new owners, but I, 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 I did have a good think about it, and uh, there's quite a number of things that I would uh, recommend to future sellers. I think the first thing would be is if you've got any sort of inkling whatsoever that you think you might want to exit the business, start your preparation now. Uh, get somebody... Uh, get in touch with somebody to help you with that process because how you perceive your businesses for sale will be completely different to somebody else. I don't know whether you want to add anything to that, Jonathan. No, I think uh, it, it's, ob it's almost ob obvious that if you've got time to prepare a business for sale, then the sale process will be, will be a lot easier. Um, and you know, there's there are a lot of people to corral in a sale process. There's you know, there's a, the, the corporate finance advisors, there's lawyers, there's due diligence providers, and you know, there's a whole range of people get involved in the transaction. And it's important that you sort of you you put a team together on your side that you trust, um, and that and that who who can get a good understanding of the business and and the opportunity to to maximise the the value of the of the business, but also. Um, the way the the sale process is is run as well to make sure it can happen quickly and at the right pace, so it, um, the, the the business um, the business can can be sold quickly and and, and doesn't start to get damaged, um, and and that it's better if that's done in advance. Uh, so so yeah, I, I agree with I agree with that. In some cases, you just can't do that. This was one of those, and to be honest, you look back and think that was not a bad outcome, and. Uh, and for both the the stakeholders and and for the business, it it uh, I, th I think I think you look back at that and think that was pretty good. Yeah, I agree. 
the, the second thing I would say is, yeah, you, Jonathan's just said about the shareholder alignment. Um, and, and yet that, that's a difficult thing to get through, especially if you, you know, we had seven and I'm guessing other business that are considering this will have more, some will have less, some will be one and it's an easy thing to do. Um, but but having that alignment uh, in advance is, is, is vitally important. And I think more than that is making sure that you communicate regularly through the process. And that's not just with uh, the shareholders, it's all the stakeholders, um, because uh, you're that busy doing this, that, and the, running around trying to get things sorted out. Um, there are people waiting on your uh, communications, and the, the frustration can set in if you're not careful. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, another thing that I would recommend is, is try and uh, leave the running of the business to somebody else, if possible. Um, there's two reasons for that. One is if you are planning to exit the business, uh, uh, any prospective buyer would want to see that the business can run without you. Um, but the other is it's a really intensive process. If it's a, if it's a bigger business, especially, um, there are an awful lots of pull on your time and you can't do everything, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll, we'll often suggest that um, an interim person is brought in to sub, to subsidise the management team effectively to help help get everything done um, because there is so much to do and it, it's really really important that the business continues to trade strongly during the sale process. Um, the last thing you want is people people being distracted and before you know it, the business has started um, to suffer from a trading point of view. What you really want is it performing better than ever. So that's quite common. And then just on the other point, the this is a for a lot of family businesses this is a really difficult time because lots of different people have emotional connections to the business and 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 it's really important to listen to everyone and to get everyone's views and then for everyone to feel like they they know what's happening um so there's some really good points there. yeah uh, the, the next point is uh due diligence uh two words but it's a seriously big meaning um I did not have a clue uh, what it entailed. I kind of thought, naively thought it was kind of like a, a stringent audit, but it goes way beyond that. Uh, it's way more time consuming. So if I could give anybody any advice, if there's things around uh, financial setups, property arrangements, uh, anything to do with something that needs legal backup, uh, you absolutely need to get those in order and preferably before you start the process because uh, that definitely caught us out and um, yeah due diligence is is a serious serious thing yeah and, I, and in this case we we did do vendor due diligence so um, at least at least the sellers were in control of the initial sort of flow of, of due diligence um but uh, but again yeah it, it, it can be very very thorough and very challenging um particularly when you've got a reasonably sophisticated private equity funded buyer uh, to negotiate with like like we did here yeah fr from our perspective i would su suggest that uh even though the buyer was a really good strategic buyer it worked against us because actually you could have probably got away with certain things uh if you just said certain things but they're in the business. They know the business inside out. So you, you can't um, fool them. Um, so 
not that you would ever i would ever recommend anybody to do that uh, especially what's happened afterwards um i think it's it's important that you get it get it right beforehand um and i think you know going on to the next point because it's such an onerous task you do need people that you can trust uh, to help you with due diligence and that's not just your close circle of shareholders or di directors there will be other people that you need to involve so it's really important that you've got uh, a circle of people that you can trust any final reflections jonathan uh, from your side um well only that um i think the, the the business was a great business um it was it was approaching the time that um, that it, the, the family started to realise some some value from it. The approach was was timely, um, and it was from a um, from a great buyer. Um, we can say we 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 tested whether there were there should be any other whether there were any other buyers, and there would have been plenty. Um, but but I think we got the right buyer in the end. The process was that it was frantic. There was a lot happened in a short period of time, but um, the, the the management team stood up to it really well. And, and the business proved that it was as, as good as, as we thought it was. Um, it, and, and I think the what's happened since um, demonstrates actually it was a great deal with lo loads of industrial logic. Um, and, and one that I think everyone involved in it could be proud of. I agree. I would like to uh, mention our advisors. Uh, I do think... Um, You've been in business a long time and you know you'd like to think you know your way around the block but when you're dealing with something like this i think it's really important that you've got somebody to hold your hand through this process because as i mentioned earlier about the, the emotional things and technical things that happen along the way um they do this for a living so i, I really think it's important to engage somebody uh, very soon in the process and, and, and pick you know uh, good quality ones that would be my recommendation uh, and the last uh, and most important thing as far as I'm concerned is um, don't forget the day job uh, yes I, I said earlier about making sure you've got a management team in place that can run the business but don't ever take your eye off the ball in terms of how the business is performing on a day-to-day -day basis because uh, if all you're doing is investing in a sale and uh, that doesn't always happen um, thankfully it did in our case but if it hadn't have done uh, I'd like to think that we would have still been in a strong position to go forward um, so m that would be my my main one don't lose focus on your on your day-to-day -day job I think that ties in quite well with your golf analogy doesn't doesn't it uh, yeah it's you know it's quite interesting I think it's still challenging to keep winning isn't it uh, even if you're top of your game so, so yeah. really kudos to you job to keep to, to keep winning yeah I, I think obviously I've, I've been in the, the business two two years since and it's uh it's it's a, a different way of doing business uh used to making all your own decisions and now you've got a a, a whole lot of new bosses bosses to answer to but um, it's, it has been exciting. The, the, the sale process was exciting. Running the business prior to that was exciting. And it's, it's great. I, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and fortunate to be in the position I am. And uh, I'm thankful that I've got a great team under me to, to help me deliver that.
Great. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. So um, thank you both so much. That was really enlightening from my perspective. Thanks, Joe. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. So please do like, share, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. We've got a great lineup of deals to feature over the upcoming months. See you soon.